Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart. Hey, did I get your attention? We're doing something special for the next month. We're going to focus on now business. Like how do you generate income today, right now? My name is Jesse Zagorski. You probably know me as one of the regular hosts here, producer of the Agent Power Huddle. I'm also a broker associate with eXp. And what I keep hearing over and over again is agents that truly need to shift their business. The market shifted, they need to shift and they got to close the deals today. And so whether you're a brand new agent this series is for you. Experienced agent, this series is for you. It doesn't matter. Agent on a team, team leader, we're going to give you strategies and techniques to figure out how to scale and grow your business to close deals today. Not in the future, not tomorrow, today. This is what we're focusing on all month, the techniques, the strategies you need. So welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Oh, you're on mute, Tom. Switch that real quick. Thank you, Autumn. Hey, this is one of those mornings where when things, anything that could go wrong will go wrong and probably will go wrong again. So the first thing I did was I dropped my camera, broke it, ran to Target, picked up a new one, got back here, set everything up. Then my cord was disconnected, battery ran down, got it plugged back in. I think I'm on, I think I'm on for right now. We should be good to go. Thanks for joining. There's Jess the Bling Realtor again. Good morning. I'm walking on my treadmill. I'm sorry if it's distracting, but I just want to participate on camera. Thank you. Wow. Uh, Don't walk away. And then we've got uh, Susanna Rosario from Oconomowoc, just down the street from me. Good morning. Good morning. I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. Glad to see people tuning in from all over the country. And I am going to share my screen now. I believe I can do that. And what am I going to share to you? To share this one. See where am I at? Okay, I'm gonna start this slideshow from the beginning. Hey, uh, let's see if it pops up. Looks like we're in business. Okay, by a show of hands. Who's expecting that this market's going to be as competitive this year as it was last year? If you don't mind, if anybody wants to uh, unmute and share any thoughts that they have on what their expectations are for the market this year, please do so. I think it's going to become more stable. That's my hope. We're going to continue to stabilize. So that said, I think... In my area, properties, some properties will see still see like multiple offer situations in the double digits. But I think that that's going to, my hope is that that's going to come down a bit so that it can continuously be favorable for sellers and buyers right now. Okay. So you, you'd agree that um, markets will do, be hyper local. You might find one where there's very little competition and another where things are really packing them in. Yeah, that's what my hope is. And even with the multiple offer situations, I w- I'm in the Bay Area right outside of Silicon Valley. And a year ago, I was writing offers for 400 k over asking price that weren't getting accepted. And yeah. I knew that that wasn't sustainable for our market. So that's my hope um, is that that will kind of, it has dwindled away and will continuously just be more stable. Things are selling more close to list price. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think that's the expectation of a lot of people everywhere. Um, I'm going to probably not be able to do what I wanted to do here. 
There we go. All right. So I was putting together my um, thoughts yesterday and up popped into my uh, stream of of uh, marketing information that comes across constantly on my phone. Uh, I saw a presentation that was titled, it's not the best agent that wins, it's the best marketer. That sad face on the side, is kind of my reaction. Real estate is, running a real estate business requires marketing. Marketing is what brings our customers to us, right? But the question is, who wins and who loses in the real estate transaction business? We can attract more customers than we can handle. But what can we do with those people when they become our clients? I think about marketing as a pipeline. And certainly, whether it's lead generation, lead nurturing, lead capturing, and conversion, we're in business and we stay in business because we're either able to help people get their offers accepted and go to closing, or we're able to help people who are selling their homes attract buyers and negotiate offers that they can accept and go from the date of acceptance to the closing without problems in between. So if I was, if my business was strictly marketing and I was able to attract customers who become clients, the question still is, what am I going to be able to do for them? All of our buyer clients, as we know in these competitive markets, haven't been successful in getting their offers accepted. Just the same, it seems like all sellers who put their homes on the market end up getting offers that they're very happy with and go to closing. But the interesting thing is, not all accepted offers go to closing, and not all sellers accept offers that are the highest price. But there are home sellers who do accept the highest price offer and then find out that they don't get to closing on those terms. And the reason they don't get to closing on those terms is because of the terms that are in the offer that allow the buyer to renegotiate. Marketing is casting a net, bringing in as many customers who can become clients as possible. But the difference between being just a marketer and being a successful professional real estate agent is being able to outthink the competition in this business, in this market today. When I started in 1989, marketing was pretty much non-existent. That has changed. And just for example, is it one person I know who's an exceptional marketer? 
quick question. Are you loving this podcast? We record it live Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific on Zoom. Want to join us live? Go to agentpowerhuddle.com. Next month, we're changing the format to only release two podcast episodes per week. So if you still want the replays of the daily version, you'll need to start going to our website, agentpowerhuddle.com to hear every episode. All right, back to the show. When I started, I one of the things that I found that I really enjoyed doing was helping other agents get their business started. So since the early 90s, in addition to selling real estate, I've been helping agents in areas that I'm accomplished in. I am not an accomplished marketer by any means. But one of the advantages that I think an agent can have is that ability to work with contracts and to structure terms of offers to purchase that one on the buyer side can get accepted and two on the seller side can help protect the seller from getting caught in the traps that result in renegotiation. So today I really want to focus on this conversation from the perspective of working with home sellers. Real estate is a contract negotiating business. I think the question that we all can ask ourselves at any point to improve our business is what can I do to help my client win? You know, going back to that second slide where it said um, it's not the best agent that wins, it's the best marketer. Um, I don't know. I guess I did, I'd, I'd question two things. One, what is winning? And second, who's going to win? You're here today because you want to find a way or find some ways to improve your skills to give your home selling clients an advantage in negotiation and give them the opportunity to stay in the position to control the conversation. And, you know, I know it was easy when the market was crazy and the market will still be crazy in some situations. But we all know this about offers to purchase. Offers to purchase are loaded with contingencies, and that's just the standard offer. That's just the one that the state gives us or our, our association gives us to use. That doesn't include the addenda that come from other companies that are loaded with buyer favorable contingencies. And we'll talk, I'll show you some of those that are that I've picked up off of the internet from around the country. A contingency more or less says, well, in a transaction seller, you promised to sell your house to me. Well, I don't promise you anything until I go through my due diligence period. And that due diligence period of checking this, that, and the other thing are all exit opportunities for a buyer. I think, I like to look at it just like this this, uh, image shows, they're exit doors. Some of those doors are closed and locked, and some of those doors are unlocked and open. And at any time, based on, and I'll show you this in some of the contingencies, at any time, a buyer can decide to go a different direction. And if a buyer can decide to walk away, a buyer has all the leverage that they need to renegotiate the contract on all points. Think about this. We've all been in the position as a listing agent, we get multiple offers. 
Owners want to know, hey, what, what's the offer? How many offers did we get? If I gave, you tell me if this is the same for you. If I give the offer to a seller, and I just recently did, here's the first offer it came in. We'll review it together later. But here's the offer. I talked to the seller, would, and they say, hey, this is a great offer. They looked at three things. They looked at the price. They looked at the closing date. And they looked at the earnest money. Right. I see a head nodding. Is it Katrina? You can relate to that. They look at those three things. And the last time this happened, the client literally said, how do I sign this? Right. (laughs) So, well, let's take a look at the rest of it, because there's 27 additional pages. and And I understand that's not even that's not even the most. but all the rest of the pages are problems that the seller needs to pay attention to. So each of the next slides that I'm going to show you are, are actual um, offers to purchase um, contingencies that I've taken from different states, just grabbed them off, off of the Internet. And I could go through anybody's offer in, in any state and I could go through that with you and I'll highlight the things that I think should be or probably are negotiable and should be given attention. For example, bad inspection clauses, high risk appraisal contingencies, flawed wording. This is this one, you know, even, even if it's been drafted by an attorney, we often can find the flaw in this wording. And actually, if it's been drafted by an attorney for the advantage of the buyer, it's probably not flawed at all. It's probably well thought out. Ridiculous contingencies are another one. And I'll show you one of each of these, I believe. Okay. This is an actual offer that cost a buyer in a situation of multiple offers. This contingency, once the seller looked at it, realized that this is not a contingency that they want to have in the contract. So if it's a contingency they don't want in the contract, renegotiating this offer or any other offer is an opportunity. If this contingency is not in this offer, it's possible that this offer gets accepted. I believe this. Most offers to purchase that are written are rejected. And by rejected, I mean, if it's not accepted, it's rejected, right? And, they're, and most offers are not rejected because of the price. They're rejected because of conditions in the offer that make it unacceptable. And when an agent can find these things and point them out to the seller, they've protected that seller from a headache, heartache, or some other sort of misery that might, be, that might happen between today and the date of closing. Let's look at this appraisal contingency alternative. And I'll read through it rather quick. It says that the offer is contingent on the buyer or the buyer's lending having the property appraised. Okay. And after the date of the offer, indicating an appraised value of the property, not less than the agreed upon purchase price. Okay. Let's let me ask you a question. What does that mean? Not less than the purchase price. If the purchase price is four hundred thousand dollars and that appraisal comes in at three hundred and ninety-eight thousand dollars. Does the buyer have an opportunity to walk away? Well, it says 
that the contingency will be satisfied unless a copy of the appraisal showing a value less than the agreed upon price uh, and a notice that it's unacceptable is sent to the seller. If the appraised value is less than the agreed upon purchase price, get this, buyer and seller shall or shall not have the option to negotiate the prior agreed upon purchase price. What does that mean? You shall or shall not? You Even if it says you shall, the buyer and seller shall have an option to negotiate. Well, they always have an option to negotiate, right? So what does that mean? It means nothing. It does not say that the buyer will give the seller an amendment to change the purchase price to the appraised value. It doesn't lock the buyer into doing anything. It only says what we already know. At any time, the buyer and the seller have an option to negotiate. So that's that's nonsense. It means nothing. Okay. And if the sell, and then it goes on to say that if the buyer and seller shall have the right to negotiate the purchase price, it may be satisfied by one of the following uh, following options below. Well, yes, the buyer and seller can always agree to do something different. But the next part says buyers financially approved and agrees to bring additional funds required to close up to $5,000 above the appraised value. Well, that doesn't say that they're going to. It just says that they are, right? So that contingency does not commit the buyer to anything, but it does allow the buyer to terminate the offer if the appraised value on the in the appraiser's opinion is a dollar less than the agreed upon purchase price, okay? I know that's rather standard looking. It might be standard. You might see something similar to that in, in a lot of offers, but it's not a safe contingency at all for the seller. It's extremely high risk. 14 days from now, the seller's not going to have multiple offers on the table to, to consider, and they're not going to be in the same kind of position that they were. This is another one. I believe this one is from Iowa. Uh, this is an appraisal contingency too. And uh, go down to where I circled in light blue. It says, if the property does not appraise at the purchase price or greater, or the appraisal includes any required repairs, buyer and seller, again, have the option to amend the purchase price in writing or negotiate appraisal required repairs. If no agreement is re reached, this contract is void, right? Again, same thing. The same exact situation. You... A seller who agrees to this is agreeing to allow the buyer to come back and renegotiate if the purchase price is as little as a dollar less than the agreed upon purchase price. And I know people go, well, they're not going to walk away if it's just like a couple hundred dollars. I know they won't. But if you have the opportunity to renegotiate purchase price, what else can you renegotiate? Well, Remember that inspection where I wanted a $5,000 credit and you said, no, well, I want that now, right? So a contingency like this that gives a buyer the opportunity to renegotiate later on purchase price without it being re restricted to just purchase price can renegotiate on anything. If you want to find, if you're in a conversation with a home seller, when you're in competition, they're interviewing three or four different agents. Rather than talk about how many years 
you've been in you've been in business or how many years you haven't been in business, I change the conversation to these are the types of things that are going to come at, come at you in an offer to purchase. And these are the kind of things that I can protect you from getting locked into. OK. This is another one. This one's from Iowa, too. <clears throat> Here's a this is this isn't even uh, an alternative contingency. This is part of the offer to purchase. So unless this is caught, this is what happens. The buyer may, prior to closing, have the property surveyed at buyer's expense. Okay. Let's say today is February, what is it, uh, 15th? Let's say it's February 15th, and this is going to close on April 15th. When does the buyer have to have this survey done by? Doesn't say, other than prior to closing. So the buyer may, prior to closing, have the property surveyed at buyer's expense. If the survey by a registered land surveyor shows any encroachments on said property, or if any improvements located on the subject property encro encroach on other lands, such encroachments will be treated as a title defect and handled accordingly. Okay. Well, if I have the survey contingency, it's not even a contingency, it's just part of the offer. It, there's no, re, no deadline for when the survey has to be done. There's no deadline for when this has to be presented to the seller. There's no opportunity for the seller to, to cure this condition. Therefore, it appears that if this pops up on April 14th or the survey has been done for a month and on April 14th, I bring this to your attention, we're not closing, right? So this contingency is something that could be modified or this condition is something that could be addressed in an offer and modified. Without it, every seller who accepts an offer with this in it is at risk of not closing. Uh, property inspection. Here's, um, let's see. In catch which I don't recall which state this was from, but the uh, purpose of this one, uh, buyer may have the property inspected. Oh yes, by a person or persons of their choice. Okay. Apparently, Uncle Joe can come in and do the inspection for a buyer. Uncle Joe doesn't need to have any credentials. Um person of their choice doesn't say they have to be a certified inspector doesn't say they have to have any any credentials in whatever it is that they're inspecting but they can they can have anybody they want okay it could be uh the mom and dad of of the buyer this is one out of florida this inspection contingency if you take a look at line 345, three, four, let's start at 343. Brokers have the right to be present. Okay, we got that. The inspection and investigations include, but are not limited to, testing and inspecting of all the appliances, heating, cooling systems, mechanical, et cetera. Yeah, the typical type of things that might come up in, a, in an inspection, but they can also here, test the property for lead-based paint. They can also test it for radon gas, okay? So this allows beyond the inspection of the property, it also allows the buyer 
to go so far as start doing testing. What do we know about um, about radon gas? Well, chances are, if you test a property for radon gas, it's going to come in. Chances are, it's going to come in above the 4.0 picocuries per liter, right? So, um, good chance that that seller is going to be renegotiating or negotiating how to cure the radon. Well, it's not an expensive cure, so I don't really want to waste too much time on that because that's simple enough. But what if they then test for lead-based paint? All right, so they test the property for lead-based paint. They discover lead-based paint, and now they decide they don't want to buy the property. What is the seller left with? They're left with needing to disclose to every buyer in the future that they are aware that the property has lead-based paint. How do you how do you remediate lead-based paint? Well, that's a question that um, has been answered to some extent, but there isn't anything in here that says uh, on how we're going to remediate or what what the level of cure is going to be that's satisfactory. Uh, on line 355, I put a check mark. In this contingency, it says if the buyer determines in their sole discretion that the property is not acceptable to the buyers, the buyer may, prior to the expiration of the inspection period, terminate the offer. This inspection contingency, unless this is a requirement in the state of Florida that every buyer may be able to um, terminate an offer to purchase based on anything that they find in an inspection, if that's the level that the standard requires in the state of Florida, I don't know, but somebody could check on that. If this is something that's negotiable that you could put in put in a standard of acceptability that would improve the seller's position here's another one this is you know we all know about lead-based paint and we all know that properties built prior to 1978 um, so buyers sellers are obligated to disclose what they know of the uh, existence of lead-based paint and lead-based paint hazard conditions all buyers have the opportunity to have a 10-day period um, after acceptance to inspect the property for lead-based paint, lead-based paint hazards. A seller cannot deny a buyer an opportunity to do that, right? But the buyer can waive their legal right, their opportunity to have a lead-based paint inspection risk assessment, okay? this. Um, offer to purchase it has a checkbox where the buyer could waive the right to conduct a risk assessment. But if the buyer doesn't check that box, the risk assessment right is a given. Again, we go back to, and I can ask you, now, we know a seller can't reject an offer strictly because it has a lead-based paint test contingency in it. But tell me what happens in your market. For properties built before 1978, is it even close that the majority of the accepted offers for properties built prior to 1978 do not include a risk assessment inspection. In our market, 
it is a rare, rare, rare case where a seller accepts an offer where the buyer has not waived the risk assessment. In my career, I have seen one transaction where the seller had had knowledge of lead-based paint, had done the disclosure, and probably of the 20-some showings, most of those people who didn't pursue the property didn't pursue it because they were aware that there had been lead-based paint uh, discovered on the property. The one person who did pursue it, did purchase it, we ran into trouble with the lender where the lender didn't know how to handle it because that lead-based paint disclosure obligation stays with the property for the life of the property, okay? So a seller who whose listing agent catches that the buyer has not waived this contingency uh, could easily walk into locking into an accepted offer and, and have the results of um, a lead-based paint test uh, being done on their property when they might have had an option to uh, accept an offer from somebody else who had waived, okay? A simple thing to be able to catch, but because it's one of those, if you don't check the box, it's automatically included, uh, something that um, does get missed. To wrap up, I just want to close with the idea again that real estate is a negotiating business. Yes, marketing is important. I would not deny that. Marketing will bring buyer and seller client opportunities to you, but mastering the contract is one way that you can give yourself a strategic advantage to put yourself in a better position to earn the trust of sellers and to earn the trust of prospective buyers. When you master the, your offer to purchase, you put yourself and your client at an advantage and you control the conversation of the negotiations, okay? It's also, I've seen this with agents who get started and they don't understand the contract enough. Therefore, they have less confidence. And if you have less confidence in your ability and in your competence, you're less likely to expose yourself to the possibility of obtaining a client. This is one of the ways a newer agent can learn and gain the competence to have the confidence to go out and, and present themselves and do business. If you have if you have some interest in talking to me, um, my contact information is available, Tom Meyer, uh, EXP Realty, Madison, Wisconsin. I'd be happy to look at your offers to purchase with you and any of your addenda contingencies and help you spot the kind of things that could put you at a strategic advantage in negotiation and give you an opportunity to take something to a home seller and show them how valuable you can be in the real estate transaction. I thank everybody for showing up today. Um, learning is one of those things that we can do in a weekend to improve our opportunities, our ability to do business today, not tomorrow, but to do business right now, this year, and earn more money and earn the confidence of our clients. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stick around, chat with me. I'll, I'll hang in here for a little bit until autumn shuts us off. Okay. Thank you.
Thank you. It was great. Thank you. I appreciate hearing that. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.